Welcome to the Marshall Street Podcast. Pay attention to the clock. Gillen. Got it! Where two washed up SU alumni cut into all things Syracuse sports. And for Syracuse, party time. The upset, home by the Orange. They defeat Clemson 27 24. Now, here are your hosts, Jake and Keith. Where's it from? He's gone! Johnny has won it! All right, welcome to episode 39 of the Marshall Street Podcast, where two washed-up SEO alumni cut into all things Syracuse sports. Before we get started, don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star review. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MarshallSCPod44. And like, share, retweet, and tell your friends about us to help the podcast grow. Uh, I'm Jake. That's Keith. Keith, how are we doing? Well, lots of things happening in the world of Syracuse sports. Oh, yeah, it's been a few weeks. Um, football team was bowl eligible. The Orange Bowl was creeping into all of our dreams. And then the last three weeks happened. So we're going to run through the last four games very quickly. I'm going to talk a lot. And then we're going to hit on some bigger points and bigger picture things. We're not going to recap every game individually. We'll hit on points here and there. And then we'll just see where this thing goes. So this is kind of going to be a two-for-one special, two. Right after this, we're going to do the basketball preview. Game late, whatever. I don't care. Um... So first, let's go all the way back to the game with NC State, who at the time was number 15, Syracuse victory. They were 6-0, ranked in the top 15, 24-9 win. It was only the third time we've ever beaten NC State. It was the first time we were 6-0 since 1987, only the third time since World War II. The other two was 1959, where we won the national championship, and obviously 87. It was the first top 20 matchup in the Dome since 88. It was the first time the Dome was sold out since that Clemson game in 2009. Um, at the time, Syracuse was undefeated and Alabama wasn't, so that was cool for a week to have. Um, no Devin Leary in this game. He's out for the year, which stinks because I like him as a quarterback. I always thought he was pretty good. Um, Garrett Schroeder had 210, two touchdowns, didn't throw two bad picks. Uh, Gadsden had eight catches for 141 and two touchdowns. Um... And then Sean Tucker, 98 yards, a touchdown. He passed Floyd Little on the all-time Syracuse rushing list at 2,766 yards. Garrett Williams did get hurt in this game. He missed the next game, and then he was hurt again in the Notre Dame game. He's out for the year. We'll get to that when we cover Notre Dame. Um, next, Clemson. I'm convinced ESPN just broadcast a replay of the 2018 game because it was the same basic script. Uh, Hughes lost a double-digit fourth-quarter lead to the backup quarterback. Falls 27-21. Uh, Syracuse in the second half. This is their drives. Five plays, no yards, punt. Four plays, 24 yards, punt. Three plays, seven yards, punt. Three plays, negative four yards, punt. Four plays, 15 yards, punt. Three plays, three yards, punt. Then the last drive, seven plays, 45 yards, interception, game over. Um, only 90 total yards in the second half, and 45 of those were on the last drive. Garrett Williams, again, missed this game. Sean Tucker only had five carries. Which he was. It wasn't like he only had five carries, like twelve yards. No, he had fifty-seven yards, averaging just under eleven yards a carry. And at the time, you're thinking, well, Clemson's front is 
solid, but they've gotten run over a little bit, especially looking at the Notre Dame game last weekend where they continued their hot rushing. Um, and the Clemson running game, 293 yards rushing, mainly coming from Will Shipley. This is going to be a theme in the next couple games, too. So then Notre Dame, back-to-back sellouts, but this one ends up being pretty disappointing. Uh, Hughes falls to Notre Dame, 41-24. Garrett Strader only played the first half. He was hurt. You can kind of tell he wasn't able to move as he typically does. Carlos W. Wilson plays the entire second half. Got the game to one score. Three interception that was deflected at the line. Then then Notre Dame went in and scored. They locked a punt. They scored again. The game was over. 246 rushing yards for Notre Dame, just 61 for Syracuse. And a lot of that had to do with just the enormous amount of push the Notre Dame line got. They were just so much bigger up front. And that we also lost Garrett Williams for the year. He came back. He tore his ACL. Um, that's a big loss. That also hurts his NFL stock, but we don't have to get into that right now. Um, and then last week, almost done with my rambling, and then let Heath talk for a little bit. Um, it was it was gross at Pitt. Uh, 19-9 Pitt victory. Syracuse still hasn't won there since 2001. I think it's 11 in a row we've lost in Pittsburgh. Um, Garrett Schreer did not play. Carlos Del, Rio Wilson, Carlos Del Rio Wilson did get his first start. He was just 8 of 23 for 120 yards and a pick. Um, Israel Banikanda didn't even play for Pittsburgh. I had no idea he was hurt until there were some inklings right before the game. He's the ACC's leading rusher. That's originally why I picked Pitt to win this game. Um, the defense for Syracuse, look, they're banged up. The injuries are piling up on that side of the ball. Pittsburgh still only scored 19 points, and we couldn't... It had nothing to... The, that game... The defense actually only gave up 17 points because the 19 points were safety. Um, 161 rush yards for Pitt. Syracuse only had 25 rush yards and just 10 carries and 19 yards for Sean Tucker. Um, we had Our best chance to score a touchdown in that game was on the opening drive, but they ran a weird sweep on third down from the one-yard line, and Sean Tucker lost four yards. Did still have a chance to tie it at the end, but on the last drive, Carson Wilson took a safety. And Syracuse stands at 6-3, and three, no longer ranked in any of the three major polls. And as the Rangers go down again, because why not, um, that's where we stand right now. So that was a lot of me rambling. Keith, fuck your thoughts on the last four weeks. Well, start off strong with NC State. We saw all the boys' uh, meters come out on, on the apps and everything. And first sellout in a long time in the Carrier Dome. And Well, uh, sorry, J-Man Wireless Dome. Please don't <laughs> find me. Don't, don't come after me. <laughs> first sellout in a long time. And then the last three weeks have been a, a steady disappointment, leading with that Clemson game especially, a game in which you saw Syracuse go up on the road and abandon your your biggest strength, which is the fun game with Sean Tucker. And just, just a frustrating way to see that one play out. Notre Dame, it seems like we got dominated a bit up front and, and just overpowered, overmatched. And Notre Dame has played at times this year, and as great as Syracuse has played at times, there's probably hard to argue that Notre Dame raw talent. So that, that one was more of a slow burn and then Pitt was just awful. Just ugly all around. So I don't know how the rest of the season takes out, but for 
far past that 6-0 start and all those prospects that we saw when that occurred against NC State. Yeah, and, and like, there's no shame in losing to Clemson or Notre Dame, even though, like, Clemson's not going to make the playoff. I think they still, they're still in the top 10 as of today. They were number 10. Um, and Notre Dame's lost to Marshall and Stanford, although they're playing a little bit better. There's no shame in that, because, like, you said it. They just are more talented. It, my thing, like, I wasn't mad or upset. I was upset. I wasn't, like, angry. Like, last year when we were in that first three-game losing streak where we lost by three, those games, like, I was pissed when we lost those games. I, I, it's just, I, I felt more disappointed in the way those two games went more than anything because we let ourselves believe that there was a real chance that, like, hey, this Orange Bowl thing, that could really happen if Clemson makes the playoff now. Um, and in the, even in the fourth quarter of that Clemson game, the thoughts start to creep in, like, hey, there's a real chance we could win the Atlantic if this holds. And it's just kind of unraveled um very quickly and i feel like i it's just regression back to what we saw last year where the defense is doing literally everything humanly possible to keep us in games um creating four turnovers in clemson only letting Pitt score 19 points and the offense just can't do anything now garrett schrader's hurt yes it was carlos Aurelio wilson's first start yes but still it just it felt different and now all of a sudden it's just like cratered back down to, oh okay, this is what this is about right. Um, and it's, it's disappointing. I'm, I'm, it's frustrating. It's disappointing. But I, I, if you go back and listen to the, to the preview show, my bar coming into the year was six wins, and we hit it. So personally, for me, while the rest of the results of the year may be disappointing. I don't think you can call the year, you have to call the year a success because coming in, I feel like everybody's expectations were simply like, or just get the six wins. I know people are going to say, well, we were six and oh, I, I get that. Big picture here. We got the six wins. We're going to get to a bowl game. Now we get, let's build on that. Let's see what happens after that. Um, but it, it's disappointing. Um, it's, not, it's not even anger. It's just disappointment. An interesting thought experiment if you basically treat our schedule this year like uh, like your favorite playlist and, and hit that shuffle button and sort of move around which games happened where. Let's say we started two and one and then four and two and then six and three. Like how how differently that my perspective of the expectations. The points that you would miss the highs of climbing up the rankings College game day and all the national buzz that we got during the, the game. The game day stuff was never going to happen. I'm just throw that the game day stuff was not going to happen. It was not based on the other games that were on the schedule. The game day wasn't going to happen unless we had beaten Clemson. Then they might have come for Notre Dame, but that it wasn't going to happen the week Tennessee was playing Alabama. I, got, I think people got way too excited for that. Yeah, fair, fair enough. But my overall point being that all the buzz. And may have a different outlook for the rest of the season and say, all right, we're sticking through it. And you were playing with house money versus looking at it. Oh, we're, we're six and three and the walls are caving in. Right. No, that's that's fair. But you can't you can't necessarily have it both ways. At least you capitalize off the momentum and and here we are, but you also have to look at it as 
some of the characters being harassed with the strong. I guess coming back down to earth, and you wonder what the serious is being and what the war is going forward. We, I think, already success season as a whole. In order to maintain that, kind of a low bar. You may not want to hear this, but I think it takes one more win and one more win only. Whether that's a regular season win or a bowl win. Because if you start out 6-0, you end up at 6-6 six and six and you lose a bowl game. There are not very many people happy with, with that ending. But if, and if you win, you pick up one win here, let's say BC or... or or another game left on the slate. If, if we don't, you lose. If we don't beat BC, then I think that's there are problems because BC's not good. <laughs> I think it, as tough as that would be to swallow, if you end the season, the regular season, seven and five, and take it. Gotta take that. Yeah. It, it, as tough as that would be, I think one more win is and anything else is a failure that's that's my honest opinion well yeah, if we I, I if we lose out in, losing out if we lose out including a loss to a very a, a bad beaten up boston college team then yeah i would agree with that um i just don't think that's gonna happen i just don't i don't think bc's got anything this year I, they have like nobody on the line Jerkovic has struggled the defense hasn't been good like they have losses to uconn they have losses to louisville like I mean, and so is Wake Forest. I don't. I don't even think. I think that game still is very winnable. Um, but no, losing out, including losing a bowl game, yeah, and all that, I would agree with. That's the. That's where I'd be like, okay, this was cut. This is. A, this was a disaster. <laughs> Let's say they beat BC. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but let's say they for a second they beat BC and they lose every other game. You think that's a successful season? Beat BC, lose every game, so you're sitting at seven and six with a bowl appearance. Probably, like, and we get crushed by twenty. Well, it depends on who we play. Like, if we get crushed by like an American team, I mean, well, I should even say that because like, if we end up in the Fenway Bowl, you could play like, I mean, like SMU's just put up seventy-seven points. Houston's not. As good as people thought, but they're still like decent. East Carolina's not bad. I don't know. Like it's, I guess you're right. They suck. Um, sorry, I'm watching the Rangers lose another game by blowing a third period lead, and I'm not happy about it. And I hate hockey, and sports are the worst. Um, anyway, yeah. So it's the circus of all. I think it'd be firmly in that take it before the season, but with swallow right i agree that's that's in summary of my long-winded ramblings keith's right in the way the season went is going to be disappointing big picture if we get the seven wins we're not like getting stomped around in a bowl game i think that's a good that's a successful season for our expectations coming in but i do get the disappointments because even i was thinking like hey do i book my tickets to the orange bowl now or <laughs> I'll just uh, put this out to the universe, too. Carlos Del Rio Wilson showed some things and some good flashes. And by no means am I saying that pit loss was totally on him, because I think it goes a lot deeper than that. It does. But I think the absence of 
Garrett Schrader a show just how good Garrett Schrader is this season. Yeah, and you can say you can say a lot because like he's not the best quarterback in the country, but I think for what they do, and I do think he still tends to kind of think run first, and it drives me a little bit crazy. But for what the Syracuse offense is built for and what they need quarterbacks to do, you need a quarterback like him. You need a quarterback like Eric Dungy who can have that mobility. Like, And he's been... I, I don't really have any super complaints about Garrett Schrader's arm this year. Like, yeah, I wish it was a little bit better. There were some bonehead interceptions I want him to take back. Um, the first half of that Notre Dame game wasn't good, but he clearly was hurt. I, Garrett, he's been... Gary Schroeder's been fine, and it stinks that he's hurt. And if he's able to go the last few weeks, I'm willing to say we're going to beat Wake and Boston College. So that's an eight-win season um, if he plays, because I don't think the because Wake Forest. Um, I like Sam Hartman a lot, but they have they had like eight turnovers in the second half in a row against Louisville. They lost again last week to NC State with a backup quarterback. I don't think their defense is anything special. I think the offense is usually typically pretty good, but I think Syracuse will be able to pick that apart passing. And with Sean, if they use Sean Tucker, I think Tucker will be able to have a decent day. Um, but no, you're absolutely right. And you're right with, with Del Rio Wilson, too. There was some stuff, mainly in the Notre Dame game, there was stuff I liked. His, he throws an awesome ball most of the time. And even he can move a little bit. And, like, he had the right reads in the pit game. He was just missing guys by 15 yards over their heads. Like, and I think he was under pressure a lot. I don't think the offensive line played spectacular against Pittsburgh. Um, and there I just never thought he could have gotten rid of the ball a little sooner, took some sacks. But Same thing with Schrader. Like, there are times where I'm just yeah. like, oh, my God, God, Garrett, throw the ball away when he's trying to run. That's the stuff that kind of drives me crazy. But, no, it's – it's Dario Wilson is – I think could be the quarterback of the future, but for this team, it's Garrett Schrader, and I think we need him back to have uh, any kind of success the rest of the way. And, and that's to his credit too. Uh, I think self included might be a chance for real Wilson takes the reins if things go south early on, and uh, the big time recruit and the SEC transfer. I guess so, Schrader, but. Trader's proven that a very effective ACC quarterback at his best and put out a lot of good things. Want to know who I wish was healthy right now, among others? Chris Dunbar? Yes, but uh, Justin Lamson. Yeah. That's a bummer. Lam- He's hurt. It's tough to say when you don't see sort of live game action, like whether. Agreed. Um, what do you think about Sean Tucker's usage in the last few games? Like, you bring in Anayan Beck, and now they've they've done wonders for this offense, I think, but. You bring in two guys who are very clearly pass-first guys. Um, are you surprised with how little they're using Sean Tucker? Because 
I am. I, I figured his numbers would go down a little bit because they're so pass first. But when he's running the ball five times against Clemson, when he's getting 10 yards a carry, and when you're punting on four plays or less in every drive in the second half against Clemson, why are you not even, like, give him, give him the ball on, a scre- on one of those screens out wide. Let him... I don't know, any of the zone read stuff. Like, don't just run him in between the tackles every single play for him to get a yard. Like, are you surprised with how he's been used? And are you surprised with, I don't know, are you surprised with his usage just in general? I am, and I'm surprised given the the nature of this offense that he's not used more. And you can make the argument, well, teams are stacking the box. Last year, we had no passing game, for the most part. Thought they're setting Syracuse rushing. Breaking stuff by guys like Walter Reyes. I don't have to go through the long list of Syracuse running backs. And that, that was without the threat of a passing game to open up the run game. So I am surprised in that sense. And you also hear on the broadcast sometimes, that more than once, the, the comparison to Eckler. Not saying it's a direct comparison, but that's a guy that proves that if you're not handing the ball off the middle, there's the ways to just get the ball in his hands really quickly and and those short dump off passes. So I am surprised. And you would think that even if they weren't running him at the same usage they were last year, that they he would at least get the same amount of touches. Considering outside of Gadsden, there's not a ton of production from the receivers this year. I I sent a tweet um, right before Syracuse's last drive against Pittsburgh. Um, 26 rush yards tonight for Syracuse. Sean Tucker with just 10 carries for 19 yards. And then um, SUJuice.com on Twitter quote tweeted it, and they said, it's not just the carries, though that's a huge part of it. It's also the play calling when he gets it. Run up the gut each time. How about getting him outside, in space? You have a young quarterback throws throws in the flats or something short yards. And I think that's absolutely right. It's the de- it's the design of the runs as well as the I guess number of runs. Like it's just and I said I commented back. I'm like that doesn't mean running a pitch on the 1-yard line on third down cuz I still don't understand what the hell that play call was. Um No, it's he's your most dynamic player and you're using him in one way. It's run in between the tackles every single time. And it's frustrating. And especially when you have a backup quarterback in who's playing, who's starting his first game, you would think you want to try and take some pressure off him and make things easy. I think too, he started, I I think Del Rio Wilson started out like, oh, he was like six of 10 to start. And he finished eight of 23 against Pitt. Like that's not, that's not good. Like, you would think at some point you're going to say, okay, the passing game isn't working. Let's mix something in with Sean. And it just never happened. And that was the most frustrating thing about the not only the Pitt game, but the Clemson game when he was, when he was I would argue, probably playing a little bit better. It's just, it was, it was, it's maddening how he's being used. And he was not pleased with his performance again. I go back to the NFL example. You look at San Fran and Eddie. Shanahan, he's going to do everything to get Debo on a touch. McCaffrey, it's on a touch. Just basically realizing 
have a weapon to that extent, they can be such a mismatch. To draw creative ways to get when you when you have a when you have a guy like that you got when you have a guy like that you got to create ways to get him the ball in 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 different ways and in ways that are that will allow his skill set to be effective and it's not happening right now and that's again an A and Beck have done awesome things with the offense for the most part this is one of the things where it's just it's just maddening and frustrating. Agree, and I hope that he turn on the rest of the season. But it's likely his final year in a Syracuse year. No, I think even Dino said something like he's not long for here on a pregame show a couple weeks ago. Like he's going. This is this is going to be his last. Saturday against Florida State will be his last game in the Carrier Dome. Like he's going. He's going to the NFL. I would. I would bet my savings on it. He's going to the NFL after this year. And I don't blame him. I will go make that money. <laughs> yeah. Well, probably one of the biggest fan favorite that I can remember. He's probably right up there with Dungy. In recent years, yeah, I, w- I would agree. It's probably, I think it's still Dungy one, but then it's, it's, uh, it's Tucker after, right after that, I would think. Um, so are there any other big things you want to hit on before we go on? Um, looking more and more like it's probably going to end up being the Pinstripe Bowl or the Fenway Bowl, just northeast. That's where the alumni are. That's where the crowds. That's where they. We would be the team that would probably draw the most from the ACC there, other than BC. But they're not making a bowl game. Has played a higher percentage of their bowls. Like, I would have to, I would have to actually take a look. But it's like every time. Well, in, since 2013. We've had, um, what, four bowl games since 2010, roughly? Something like that, 2010, 2008? Two of them have been the Vince Bowl. I guess it's been a while. Oh yeah, it's twenty. It's like, it's like you look at every bowl prediction, no matter if it's or midseason. Yeah, since twenty ten, we since twenty ten we played in four bowl games. It's been two pinstripe bowls. They were back to back. Then the Texas Bowl, the first year of the ACC, and obviously Camping World in twenty eighteen. Um, but yeah, it's looking more and more likely it's going to be. Either that, or I would put money on the Fenway Bowl, just because, again, that's for the quote-unquote local team for those that's not named Boston College in the Northeast, so. Do you still have that pulled up? Yeah. Make me and every person listening feel old. Tell me how many years that Pinstripe Bowl was. That was 2012. That was 10 years ago. Um... Let me know. Let's, it was a yes. It was a it was a it was a decade ago. It was the third pinstripe bowl. Um, it was Doug Marone's last year in Syracuse. So you went eight and five that year. Played USC in the Meadowlands. Um, beat Louisville, who was in the top eleven. They were ranked eleventh. Um, 
that pinstripe bowl, a 38-14 beatdown of Geno Smith and the West Virginia Mountaineers at Yankee Stadium in the snow. Um, MVP candidate, NFL MVP candidate, Geno Smith. That might be one of the wildest things ever said on this podcast, and it's entirely accurate. <laughs> Ten years ago, wow. That's crazy. He saved Murrow's final season, so after that, after this, has been gone a decade. I think it was also uh, Ryan Nassib's last season. We've been in post-Doug Murrow's It's crazy. And surprise, somewhat surprisingly, only coaches since considering only been a couple bowl games. Two coaches, three ADs. <laughs> All right, so let me ask you this: If there were no buyouts in college football, how many coaches do you think Syracuse would have post Marone? Post Marone, because <laughs> it sounds like post Malone. <laughs> because the NFL, I feel like they would look up and some of these franchises that have struggled, it's like they've had six coaches in like 10, 12 years. I'm not saying it'd be that many, but I feel like it creates a lot less impulse within college football because of that buyout if you're not a school with unlimited money. Well, yeah, even but even the schools with unlimited money can't fire their coaches when they have shit years. I'm looking directly at Texas A&M because Jimbo has that obscene contract and they can't afford to buy him out, even though A&M has seemingly unlimited resources. Um, I would still go with two um, post Marone because Schaefer got three years. I think he probably still gets fired when he gets fired. Um, And then Dino, he went four and eight, four and eight. His third year was the Camping World Bowl. So he still probably gets that extension. So even if there are no buyouts after that, you have the regression the next year at five and seven. Then you have the COVID year. So I don't think he gets fired after that year. Because um, I said even that year, like, look, this has been a crazy year. He's not going anywhere. Maybe he goes after last year. But Wildhack said coming into this year that he wasn't even on the hot seat. Um, I probably just – I think it's just the two, even if the buyouts weren't weren't a question. Um just based on those reasons. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. I, I feel like the hot seat comment would be a lot different if there were no buyout involved, but that's probably a whole, whole other discussion. But right. for all the heat while I took, I, it I seemed like it proved to be the right call to keep around this year and build up those coordinator and, and QB coach roles on the offensive side and continue I'm, to let Tony White do his thing. I... I, it seems like the right call. I'm curious to see, though, what happens after this season. Because, like, yeah, it probably it might have been the right call. I think the coordinators have a lot to do with it. Um, but I think Tony White's getting a head coaching job, so I don't think he's here. Now, I don't know if he's getting the Arizona State job or something like that. But I think he'll be a head coach somewhere next year. So... Who's the defensive coordinator now? Um, I'm also <laughs> I'm also curious to see what happens with Ine and Beck because what's Bronco Mendenhall going to do? Is could he take another full time job? Like, say he takes the Nebraska is the first school to pop in my head. So, like, he takes the Nebraska job. Does he take Ine and Beck with him because they've been there forever? Um, 
I don't think either of them are taking head coaching jobs, but that's an intriguing thing to me. Um, so I'm going to, I'm keeping an eye on that in the off season. Um, I think that could also come. The Tony white thing could come before the bowl too, depending on what kind of job he gets. So like if there's a couple other big name jobs that open up, like say he gets offered the Arizona state job, he could take that before our bowl game. And he's not there coaching. I'm curious to see who would fill in there. Um, then I'm curious. I'm just I'm I'm gonna be very intrigued to see what happens with the coordinators next year. Because again, if there's like say we lose Tony White and then Ana and Beck are also gone, or I'm not saying they will be, but like what happens? Is it does it regress back to oh yeah, we're putting up we're going five and seven, four and eight again? Um I think that's an intriguing, intriguing storyline that we don't really need to pay attention to right now because there's still three games left. But it's just keep it in the back of your mind, like, hey, where are these coordinators going? I'm leaning less into the Ane and Beck leaving, obviously, because Bronco Mendenhall, I don't think, has expressed any interest in any jobs. But I think Tony White's gone. I think he's going to be a head coach. And that intrigues me to see how that gets filled in and what goes on there. But um, I think that was, just, that was a random, random uh, tangent. I, I think Tony White's certainly deserving of a head coach job and he's proven it through sustained success on that side of the ball. But I tend to think that the way college football usually works is if you're a coordinator getting a full-time job, you're usually going to a smaller program. That's what I'm thinking. Like so, I think the big jobs are going to get filled first and he's going to take a job at like, I'm watching the Toledo game right now. Like at a Toledo type school, I think that's where he's going to end up. I, I think that's certainly possible. It, I guess it would depend on what Tony White personally wants, and that's tough to say from the outside looking in. But I, I could definitely see it, and I think he's more than deserving and more than capable. I agree. Um, anything else, big picture wise, or do you want to talk a little bit about Florida State? Yeah, we can go on to FSU. All right. So next up, newly ranked Florida State, uh, 23rd in the college football playoff polls. That was announced a couple hours ago, uh, 8 o'clock Saturday night on the ACC network. Last game of the year, believe it or not, in the Carrier Dome, the, Jesus Christ, <laughs> the JMA Dome, um, senior day. 12-2 uh, is the series in favor of Florida State. Met last year, the 33-30 game FSU kicked Field goal is time expired. That was the one. Travis ran around the edge. The ref missed the holding call. I punched a wall. Good times. Uh, third year at Florida State for Mike Norvell. He is 14 and 16. The Knolls are honestly a lot better this year. Uh, line opened it. The first one I saw is seven. It was six and a half when I checked earlier. And then, um, so the first point I want to hit on is, oh man, I closed the, I closed the link. So I'm going to have to van for a second. So, was sitting around enjoying, I think it was my my Sunday evening, getting ready for basketball season to start. And and Brent Axe has to send a tweet that said, um, it was a meme actually, which I was surprised to see Brent Axe tweet a meme. It was, hi, I don't want to ruin your Sunday, but Syracuse has given up 700 yards rushing in the last three games and plays Florida State next, who is 17th in the country and leads the ACC with 211 yards a game. Until next time. So that ruined my Sunday. Um, 
yeah, that's the that's the big thing. I'm I think I said in the last podcast we did, I was a little concerned about the run defense just based off on how some teams got ripped off some chunk plays. Um now I'm like in full blown. I am very concerned about the run defense and guys are getting hurt. Defense is banged up. Um, I'm, I'm worried about Saturday night. I think Saturday night, if Florida state just decides we're going to run the ball down your throat, I don't, it's, this isn't, this isn't like Jameis Winston, Florida state, but I still think it's a hot take to say Florida state's still a little bit more talented than we are. I think we could be in for a long night if Florida State's just running the ball at will. I think this game will determine a lot about the morale of the Syracuse fan base for the rest of the season. Because mm-hmm. it's a good opportunity to get back on the track that we had thought when we were 6-0 and and, and things were rolling. Or it could be, oh man, we're we're watching this crumble in front of our eyes once again. <laughs> Like, so, if Florida State goes down and scores a touchdown in their opening drive, I can see the tweets already. <laughs> and I think fair or unfair, that's that's going to be the reaction. It's going to be an impulsive reaction one way or the other. Sorry, Syracuse fans, not a shot at you, because I I'm, I'm, I'm tend to be the same way sometimes. But I think this will be a very interesting look at how the fan base will will react one way or the other. But I, I tend to think it'll be a close one. What do you think? I'm not sure. I think it has the potential if Garrett Schrader is not back and Del Rio Wilson struggles again. Um, I think it has the opportunity to maybe get out of hand because, like, Florida State not only is a very, very good running team, um, which is Syracuse's like the defense's weakness. Um, Trey Benson's got 611 yards. He's their leading rusher. Treshawn Ward's got almost 500. Jordan Travis actually has 225 yards rushing. Um, but defensively, they're ranked fourth in the ACC in, in points per game at 19.8. They have kind of an average run defense. So I'm begging them to give Sean Tucker the ball. But... Their pass defense is the best in the ACC. They're at 165 yards a game right ahead of us. So I'm worried that if it's – I'm worried something similar to the Pittsburgh game is going to happen where the defense does what it can to keep us in the game for the most part, but it still gets beat by a pretty good running team, and then we just can't do anything offensively and just refuse to give the ball to Sean Tucker for some reason. Um, I think – in that scenario, I think it has a chance to get ugly. Now, if Sean Tucker's touching the ball as much as he should, and if it's not just running straight ahead 20 times, yeah, I think it's a tight game. Either way, I still don't feel great picking Syracuse to win this game just because I we don't know anything about Garrett Schrader other than he has an alley, which is what Dino said. Um we have one full game of starting experience with Del Rio Wilson, and he was all over the place, although he did a lot of stuff, some stuff right. Uh, the defense is beat to hell. We've like we've given up 700 yards the last three games rushing, and we're bringing in the best rushing team in the conference and a top 20 rushing team in the country. I'm it, it just it makes me very hesitant to say this team's going to that series is going to be is going to beat Florida State. Now, I'm not saying they can't if they play well. And again, it's at home game. It's going to be loud. It's going to be rowdy. But 
strictly looking at, hey, what they do really well is Syracuse's weakness on defense. And we don't know if our quarterback's playing and their pass off defense is awesome. I have a hard time saying I'm going to pick Syracuse. So I would lean picking Florida State here, probably by like 10, 13, something like that. Yeah, so you're saying they cover. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I can't disagree with much of that. I think it'll be tight. And I think a lot of will have to do with the QB play on, on the Syracuse side of things. But that being said, I'm still picking us to win the last two games. Um, I pick us to beat Wake Forest and Boston College. That's but sorry, go ahead. <laughs> No, no, that that's pretty much the the extent of my thoughts. I've I've learned watching enough Syracuse games that anything and everything is possible. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think they're they're not gonna like roll over and die. I just think Florida State just does stuff that we can't stop. We have trouble stopping, and it's they're gonna exploit our weaknesses. They're better. They're they're a better team in the first two years of the Mike Norvell experience. Um, yeah, I'm worried about Saturday, and I think there is a scenario in my head where it gets out of hand early and people are just losing their minds on Twitter. And I, I don't want to, I don't think that's going to happen. I just think Florida state's better. Unfortunately, I know I picked us to beat win this game preseason the way it's just played out. I think Florida state's better than I gave him credit for. So I think again, they do good thing. They do things that we have trouble defending and they defend something we struggled with the last couple of weeks. So I just I, I don't feel great picking Syracuse, so that's why I'm picking Florida State. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. And for what it's worth, I've been wrong about just about every single game. <laughs> <laughs> like I, I thought Syracuse would struggle on some games we won, and then I was like, oh, big upset win will be pit on the road. And <laughs> look at that one. So. I felt so confident picking Syracuse to beat Notre Dame. I was like, yeah, we're gonna be and then it just it just went so poorly. <laughs> so that kind of shattered my confidence. <laughs> um but yeah. Um anything else on Florida State or football that you want to talk about? I'm good. All right, so couple miscellaneous Syracuse notes. The men's soccer team is on their way to the ACC semifinals. They beat North Carolina 1-0. They are playing Virginia at the ACC at the uh, SU Soccer Stadium tomorrow. I believe the game is at five. It is on the ACC network. So if you're in Syracuse, go. If you're not, watch the game on TV. Uh, Levante Johnson, a sweet winner. He scored with like five minutes left in the game. Little spin move, tucked it in behind the goalie. I I don't know soccer. I'm talking like it's a hockey game. Um, <laughs> but yeah, go watch the soccer team in action uh duke actually got beat by clemson in that tournament duke's the what was the one seed so syracuse looks pretty good to go in and win that tournament um and then sad news we got yesterday before the basketball game started uh the men's basketball game started um longtime suad jay krauthamel passed away at the age of 84 was the syracuse ad from 77 to 2005 he helped form the big east he was ad when the dome was built the lacrosse team won nine national championships. Basketball won one. The football team had 14 bowl appearances. And Syracuse won 22 total Big East championships when he was at the helm. Uh, John Wildhack said, Jake dedicated his life to intercollegiate athletics and was one of the best and most successful athletic directors of his era. 
The success of the Orange programs during his tenure speaks to his behind-the-scenes leadership, guidance, and expertise. Jake was a driving force in the creation of the Big East Conference, which was among the preeminent basketball conferences for decades. The Syracuse Athletics family sends its deepest condolences to Jake's wife, Carol, and their daughters and their entire family. Um, so sad news to see before the basketball game tipped off last night. Um, but that's all I got for extra Syracuse stuff. Um, Keith, you got anything you want to add? I think Crowd Hamill's tenure was a bit before I was really into the X's and O's of how athletic departments were run. Mm. But I would just say, think about any positive memory you have about Syracuse sports between 1977 and 2005. And he was at the helm of that. So that just goes to show the the wide depth that he contributed to all those great areas of of Syracuse sports. So he'll, he'll definitely be missed. Yeah, absolutely. And then they, I think they did a nice moment of silence for him before the Lehigh game. So that was good to see. Uh, All right. Uh, Farewell tour. Anything sports wise in the world you want to talk about? No, this is, this is that time of year where football just kind of like consumes probably 60% of my brain. (laughs) (laughs) NFL college and, Basketball, I don't really get into much until Christmas is usually the time I really start getting into NBA more. But I'm college. I watch college through and through. So it's it's like that sweet spot of having both college and NFL football really kick into high gear and then basketball coming along with it. So a great time in the sports calendar for me. Yeah, it's nice. You're going to get there's something to watch every night now which is great, college basketball. There, I'm, there's college football with the action on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, and you get Thursday night football, and it's a good time. Did you see um, the thing with Josh Allen with his elbow? Uh, I just saw it briefly that they're doing some more tests. I hope he's okay because if he's not, the I, who's the Bills' backup? Is it Case Keenum? Case Keenum, yep. Oh, man, they're in trouble if he can't go. Um but I hope he goes. Josh Allen's electric, and he's fun to watch, um, even though he's not a division rival, and I don't want to play them twice in this rest of the year. So um, I feel so our, bad for the fans. They, they never know. go their way. Our, tor- our, our tortured last three years, have nobody understands it. <laughs> As everybody hits on, unsubs- everybody listening just slammed unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, do you have anything else? Anything else you want to add? All right. We're going to wrap this one up. I'm all good. All right. So this this is going to be a two-for-one type thing. We're going to go in and do the basketball preview plus recap the Lehigh game and a little bit on the women's game against Stony Brook. So go listen to that now. But for this one, um, in closing, leave a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at MarshallSTPod44. A lot of good stuff coming out there. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to us, like, retweet, and share with your friends. And that's Keith. I'm Jake. Go Orange. Orange.